And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, it's Civilized Barking, Zach Jackson, flying solo, uh, going to do some mailbag, going to talk Browns, Bengals, going to talk um, news of the day, news of the hour, and um, just get you caught up. So, oh, there will be some Bengals talk earlier this week. I did the Cincinnati podcast, I think it's called Hear That Podcast Growling, and we'll play that at the end, but um, just want to go fresh. It's Friday morning, the Browns are on the practice field in about an hour, Um They'll practice today, they'll walk through tomorrow, then they'll fly to Cincinnati and they'll play on Sunday. This is a big game. This is a fun game. Um, You know, can't say it's the biggest in years or whatever. Can't say last week was great, but it was a win. For the first time since early 21, the Browns have won back-to-back games. We know they can't lose another game. Um, So this is good. And, you know, what makes this great is the Bengals might be the hottest team uh, in the NFL. The Bengals are real. But the Browns own the Bengals. Stefanski's 5-0. Miles Garrett running up numbers, right? Um, complete domination back on October 31st when the Browns looked like um, a playoff team. And, you know, it hasn't been that all year long. But this domination is real. So we heard Joe Burrow say earlier in the week um, that Miles Garrett makes the Browns different. We heard Joe Burrow say they have to get out of the script that they've got in those games where – you know, they've thrown too much. Was he talking just about the script or was he talking about his plays? I don't know. But the Browns absolutely get on that bus and that plane tomorrow thinking they can win. And that makes it fun. Um, that they really have nothing to lose as far as this year makes it fun. That Jamar Chase went to the Super Bowl and took time out of his summer to yap at Greg Newsom and John Johnson and Denzel Ward makes this fun. That it's Browns-Bengals makes this fun, guys, right? Um, Let's just be honest. There's not been a lot of fun about the Browns. You know, they waited 30 years for a quarterback, and they couldn't introduce him. They couldn't (laughs) – we know those circumstances. He couldn't play until last week, and he was god-awful, right? The head coach gets up there every day, refuses to answer questions or show any joy in anything. Um, The defense has had historic meltdowns. It's mixed in some good performances. It's coming off two really good performances. The Browns are an underachieving team, a disappointing team, um, a team that's not a contender right now. Not even close, but they can beat the Bengals. The Bengals can beat anybody. Joe Burrow can beat anybody. Joe Burrow's got a case as one of the best players in the league. He hasn't beaten the Browns. This is fun. A confident Miles Garrett, a confident Denzel Ward. Um, A confident Browns defense is, is dangerous, right? And so the Texans helped, and that was fine. Uh, Last week, there was one goal, just survive. Just get out of there. And so the Texans more than obliged, right? The Browns ran it well. Uh, They got tested. The offensive line got tested. Obviously, the offense as a whole got to scrimmage and test its operation. Um, 
you know, the defense took the Texans' best shot early with the trick plays and, and, and with digging out of a hole. Donovan Peoples-Jones um, with a big punt return wins AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. And, and the offense – or the defense, excuse me, gets two walk-in touchdowns. The Browns survive. So, um, we'll see. And, and they're back on the road, and it's, it's going to be a much nastier environment, a much better opponent. But this is fun. And – you know, offensive positives of last week are they did fight through after a rough start for for the O-line. They did run for 170 yards. They did get Kareem Hunt involved, you know, um, and they got back to the drawing board with simple communication things, quarterback to play caller, quarterback to the huddle, quarterback to, to Amari Cooper. David Njoku comes back this week. He's had a great season. Um, you know, he's he, he made the catch of his life. One of the best catches we've ever seen in the Brown Stadium. The last he was seen is they, they made the rally against the Bucks. Um, he's a dynamic player, you know. Um, so <clears throat> we'll see. As far as where Watson is, um, you know, I expected rough. It was rougher than I expected. And, I, you know, I, I expect natural progression, sure. How much, I don't know. But I think you can lay out based upon where the game was, what the circumstances were to Watson's career and life outside of football, um, to a Browns offense that played really well without him, played 11 games, then all of a sudden brought him in, you know, to a Texans defense that did things to confuse him and played like they wanted to beat him, right? Like, there are so many reasons you can say, okay, that that's excusable. The, the best news is it's over. There will be even a little bit of progress will be easy to mark. It will be significant and we'll go forward. You know, if you also want to make the case that this guy's broken and it won't be fixed anytime soon, I could listen to that, but I can't say that or know that um, until we see, right? Uh, we'll, we'll see where this goes over the next couple of weeks. I think what the Browns are going to do is basically run the Army-Navy offense. You know, they're going to run. Um, they're going to run the quarterback. They're going to run RPOs. They're going to run read option. They're going to run misdirection. They're basically going to use three running backs, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Deshaun Watson. And, of course, they'll throw to the tight end, and, of course, they'll throw some easy ones. And maybe if Schwartz doesn't get his pocket picked, you know, on, on a quick throw designed to get the ball to, to a really fast guy, then maybe they drive there. You know, they, did, they just didn't sustain much. Now, I guess kind of the good news, depending on how you look at it, is it's not like they had to go deep in the playbook. It's not like they had to be in an adverse circumstance where he needed to complete some third and eights, right? Um, it's disappointing he got picked off in the red zone. They brought pressure right up the middle. <clears throat> A second guy got through off the edge, and he just didn't see. You know, it's one they'd like back. I, can you attribute that one to Rust? I don't know. Um, some of his mechanical issues were scary bad. So, again, can you attribute it to human nature, to nerves, to Rust? Sure. Um he supposedly was thrown with a private quarterback coach every day for months. So what exactly those guys were doing, what exactly that guy was doing other than tweeting, I don't know. But we'll see. Um, Watson was in the whole offseason program. He was in every day of training camp. He was the number one quarterback for three weeks of training camp. He knows this offense. They've coached him up. You know, I really think the Browns have good coaches in Alex Van Pelt and in Drew Petzing. You know, um, I, I, I do expect better. Should there be some concern? Yes. But are, are we, you know, we'll just see where that goes. And, and for the Browns to win the game, 
they got to run it anyway. Um, they got to hit some quick ones and, and let guys create after the catch anyway, and, and then we'll just see where it goes. But I expect a super conservative um, game plan, and if it's unique, it will be in that they're basically focusing on the run part of the run pass option and the quarterback part of the of the read option, stuff that the Bengals haven't seen, and we will just see how that goes. The Browns are pretty healthy for week 14. You know, the Bengals are too. I think they're only going to be missing their tight end. Um, but outside the linebacker mess, the Browns are, are, are as healthy as you could realistically ask to be, right? So I know they're on their fourth center, but for a whole played well, he's settled in. Um, this will be his, you know, another start for him. So I think his his third start, he's played other times. He's been around. They're fine there. Uh, and then defensively, like when you have a healthy Garrett and Clowney, those guys are a problem. Now a linebacker is a big problem. They had moved Taki Taki to the middle. He was playing well. Um, and you lose him on a fourth-quarter punt to a torn ACL. So either Deion Jones or Kunashik has to come in. Deion Jones had been benched. He had only been playing in the NASCAR package, which is basically when the Browns play three or four defensive ends and a small linebacker, third and eight, second and 12, when they know it's a pass, right? So now he's got to play more snaps. And the Bengals will have Mixon back. They'll have P. Ryan, the big back. You would think they would focus on running the ball more, but we'll see. You know, part of why I think – the Browns frustrate the Bengals so much is, you know, just at the core of it is the Bengals have struggled to block the Browns. And again, that's, that's Clowney, that's Garrett. That's how the Browns want to play. But, but the Bengals, you know, they have their conventional offense, which is a lot like the Browns. I mean, their offensive coordinator is Bill Callahan's son guys. So, so there's some, some familiar roots here. Um, but then they have their spread it out offense where it's tempo, it's, you know, one back, one tight end at the most, and it's let Burrow pick his spots, pick his matchups. And when you take away the first read there and you're only blocking five against what the defense is bringing, and guys like Garrett and Clowney can get back there and disrupt them, then you see. So I think the Bengals are better and Burrow's more comfortable in that offense, but against the Browns they kind of have to adjust out of it. So, um, again, we'll see how that goes. I know the Bengals will want to be sharp early, and they'll want to get a lead. They didn't have Jamar Chase last time. And make no mistake, that wouldn't matter. The Browns absolutely outclassed them in the middle two quarters to the point that the fourth quarter didn't matter. The Browns dominated that game and were the better team that night by a wide, wide margin. But Jamar Chase is a difference maker. He is a touchdown waiting to happen, and he's a guy that turns a bad play into a good one in a hurry. So we will see. Um, how that goes. But the Browns secondary is healthy. It's good when it's healthy. Um, Emerson continues to come on. Ward has played great since coming back, you know, from his concussion. And we'll see if they're up for the challenge. I, I You know, I think mostly they are. So can they score enough points to keep up with the Bengals? Can they win in the margins? Can they force a turnover? Because that, that makes life a lot easier when they do. Well, we'll find out on Sunday. So, again, let's get to some asking Jackson questions here. I put the call out out. Um, give me a second. I got different computers open and different windows open. Make sure I can get to these. Okay. Um, question: Are we bringing Baker back? I think we're gonna skip that one. Did Ray Farmer negotiate the grinder? No, I think we're gonna skip that one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty-four-seven U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. 
Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Question from Patrick. Will Zach Taylor ever learn or will he continue to abandon the run early and put everything on Burrow when they play the Browns? It's funny. You asked. We were just talking about that. You know, game circumstances have dictated. And, And let's go back to last November's game. The Bengals are moving it early. Denzel, 99-yard pick. The Bengals come right back and score again. But then the Browns, you know, they scored. Nick Chubb had a big game. The Bengals went for it just past midfield early in the second quarter. Didn't get it. Uh, Miles was super disruptive the whole game. And on the first play, they went deep to Peoples-Jones. And then the Bengals fumbled or missed the field. I think fumbled the next time. And the Browns went and drove, and all of a sudden, it went from the Bengals moving it at will to the Browns being up 14 and having all the momentum. And then in the third quarter, the Bengals had another nice drive. Um, the Browns stood up in the red zone, and the Browns scored boom, boom again, and it was over. And Brandon Allen ended up finishing the game. And then in the first quarter, last game, it was you know trade punches, both defenses dominating. The Browns finally broke through. Uh, the Bengals' only chance was before the half. They missed the field goal. And to the Browns' credit, they won the third quarter again. So... We've seen this this Browns team in bad spots get double-dipped before the half. Against the Bengals, they've double-dipped them. They've come out fresh and sharp. So as, poor, as bad as Watson was, and even if he's not great again, I think the Browns, you know, the element of mystery still lingers there because the, the, the Bengals only have so much tape of based on what the Browns want to do. Again, that's why I think it's important that the Browns didn't need to do anything um, deep into their offense last week right so can they establish the run can they get some easy ones and can they win the turnover margin you know that's what it comes down to um, obviously in the fourth quarter of this game I trust Joe Burrow right now more than I trust Deshaun Watson and I trust the Bengals kicker a lot more than I trust Cade York but do I genuinely think that this secondary Garrett Clowney in a Browns run game that uses Watson in ways the, the Bengals maybe aren't ready for, that uses both backs. You know, everybody's criticized Stefanski for the usage. Well, it's December, and they're both fresh. Um, do I think the Browns can play from ahead and play within a touchdown 
and play their own game and win this, they sure can. So it would be hard for me to pick the Browns to win without knowing that Watson's going to play tremendously better. But, like, maybe I do trust this Browns defense in this spot, and I do at least trust that in the fourth quarter this game will be, um, you know, open for, for either team and the team that wants to execute and maybe the team that can run it better and get the timely stop, get the timely turnover. So, um, question from Eric, and this is an interesting one. After last week, isn't it obvious the Browns have should have given Watson more more time in the preseason to read defenses in a game situation? No, Eric, um, it's a good question. And the easy answer right now is yes, but here's why I'm going to tell you it doesn't matter. You're always going to get vanilla defenses in the preseason. The guy was suspended for 11 games. It was time to get Jacoby Brissett ready. The Browns got nothing out of playing him the seven, the three drives, seven pass plays, whatever it was that they did. If anything, I could argue that he could have played less. Look, the rest was going to be there. 700 days was going to be 700 days. Um, the Browns had a plan working with Watson, working with Watson's people. <sighs> yeah, you can hear me rolling my eyes on that one. To have him ready, um, I don't think playing one more preseason game or having more practices. I mean, he played with the twos, but he got two full days against the Eagles, you know, in as close to live game conditions as you're going to get. You know, he was there every day of the offseason, except for when he had to go to the hearing. You know, every meeting throughout the offseason and starting on October 14th. Uh, he's played four years in the league. You know, I, I don't know. Do I think this whole th – do I know this whole thing was one distraction and less than ideal? Yes, and the Browns signed up for it. But is there functionally or operationally something they could have done to make him more ready for last Sunday? I, I don't think so. I, I don't. Um, we'll see. Question from Chris. Do the Browns have their long-term left tackle on the team already? If not, how in the world do they address that? Will it cost them one of their high-priced guards? I think we'll also send in a question about do they pick up Jed Wills' fifth-year option. I don't know. Um, I don't think based upon how he's played that you could, given that it's fully guaranteed fifth-year option. But this is the thing. they got an issue at tackle. Okay, Jack Conklin's had two significant injuries in his career, one here, um, and he's a free agent after the year. He makes a lot of money, and a healthy Jack Conklin deserves a lot of money. And in, in 2020, Jack Conklin was a huge part of this offense, just balling, and the line kind of pushing the way while everybody, coach, quarterback, um, got on the same page and got comfortable. Does that sound familiar? You know, Wills has not played great. Wills is still young. He's still developing. He's a premium position player, and he's not terrible. He, um, you know, the Browns are trying to bring James Hudson along. You know, James Hudson basically played one year of college football on the offensive side. Super big, super athletic dude, but raw as can be. It was never a one-year development. It might not be a two- or three-year development. Can they trust him next year? Can he develop into a left tackle? I think he has those traits. I don't know what the answer is, but, yes, given – what the Browns have gave up in draft capital to get Watson and get given where you get tackles, which is either early in the draft or by tremendously overpaying them in free agency. Um, this is an issue. It, it certainly is. And it's something they're going to have to sort out. They don't have anyone else. They don't have anyone else. Um, this is it for Chris Hubbard. They've, 
paraded various guys through the practice squad who are other teams, six-round picks or undrafted guys from small colleges who they've tried to develop, and to this point none of that has worked. So we'll see. Um, You know, there's no such thing as building the perfect roster, and as you go, you're going to have to go short at certain positions, and you're going to have to take chances at certain positions. So this is interesting. And as for giving up one of your guards and doing this, um, you know, there's some teams – like the Rams that might be fire selling some guys uh, at the end of the year. Like I know there was this discussion, even though it's not realistic, should the Browns or will the Browns have to trade Miles Garrett or Denzel Ward um, at some point to recoup draft picks. And, and to me, it stops not only because of the quality of the player and specifically with Denzel, the salary cap ramifications, how it just can't be done. But the Browns are in, guys. The Browns are not worried about draft picks. The Browns are going for now. The Browns with pick 40 or pick 42 are way more likely to trade that for a veteran defensive player than they are to go get the next 20-year-old, right? Um, So, listen, do the Browns at some point consider trading Greg Newsom or Joel Batonio? Um, Maybe. You know, realistically, what what do they get for those guys? If the Rams were to trade an Aaron Donald or a Cooper Cup, would the Browns realistically have the ammo? And, you know, both those guys are a lot closer to 30 than anything else. I think both do turn 30 in the next year, year and a half. You know, it's it doesn't mean that the first-round picks are everything, right? But not having a first-round pick for two more years and having this roster not as good as you thought it was um, is disappointing. Right. So, you know, maybe we're going to see good play out of Grant Delpit. And maybe um, we're going to see Jed Wills be a part of this team's future. Right. Um, And maybe Amari Cooper won't slow down in the next year. And maybe Donovan Peoples Jones will continue to skyrocket because he's certainly ascending. So we'll see. But those are valid questions. And it's going to be an interesting offseason. I'm not totally there. So, Chris, I, I love the question. Um, and these are things to think about. I'm not totally there, but first of all, this season's over the next time they lose. Everyone knows that. And then, then, then we'll start to get there, but Sunday's fun. Um, Chris also had another question about how the Browns should attack, uh, approach Taki Taki's future. I mean, that's the thing. The poor guy starts to play well, you know, his body of work was not phenomenal, but he's a bigger linebacker, which you don't have, you know, what you have from him in terms of how he plays how he works, what kind of guy he likes the locker room. He's been here, right? Um, that's who you would want to keep. And now he has an ACL start of December and doesn't have a contract for next year. That's complicated. You know, you have Ethan Pochick, who you got in the second to third slash second to slash third wave of free agency, comes in, plays well as your center, pretty important position. Uh, he doesn't have a contract for next year. Conklin doesn't have a contract for next year, right? Anthony Walker, major injury, doesn't have a contract for next year, plays a major position if need. So this is where when you've drafted guys in the third and fourth round that can't play, it's going to hurt you now and it's going to hurt you later. Um, so we'll see. But but those are uh, those are valid questions. Question from T. Thorne, do the Browns try to get Baker back? I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, you'll, you'll hang up. Um, I went to bed last night, guys, at 8 o'clock. We got some sickness going through the house. I think I'm fine, but it was just time. I didn't see one second. So I'm aware of the circumstances of the Rams-Raider game. I'm astounded by it. 
Good for him. Um, wow, Josh McDaniels. Maybe you guys should just quit. Um, my one take on that would be that I hope the Browns and Raiders both finish in third so the Browns play in Vegas next year. Anyway, uh, earlier this week, me and my colleague Jay Morrison got together on the Bengals podcast. We talked a little about this game and the circumstances. We'll play that at the end um, for those of, you, those of you guys who want to keep listening. So here's that segment from there. I'm on to Cincinnati. Uh, Sunday after, Saturday afternoon, I'll drive down. Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock. And then by the time we talk next after the game, we'll know if the, if the Browns still have a playoff pulse or if they don't. Talk to you soon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We just talked to Zach Jackson. Seems like not that long ago. Uh, Zach, how's everything in Cleveland today? It wasn't that long ago. Uh, (laughs) Everything's cheery. You know, the Browns are going to make a rally and win the Super Bowl. So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, This is an interesting – it's been an interesting year. It's been an interesting (laughs) century, right? But, uh, you know, the Browns are confident they can beat the Bengals. So – and they should be. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this one uh, for many reasons. I. I wanted to ask you about that, and I wanted to start with Deshaun Watson, obviously, but uh, since you brought it up, let's just get right to it. I mean, it's crazy. You've covered a Browns team that was owned and dominated by the Steelers. I've covered a a Bengals team, same way. That kind of made sense. This one is just weird. Five in a row, eight of nine from from your side of covering the Browns. What what do you think it is about this this rivalry currently where it's just so one-sided? Well, I think some of it is that when the Browns are locked in, the Bengals have trouble blocking them, right? Mm. Um, I think some of it is like last year's game in Cincinnati. The Browns were keyed up for that moment, and Mm. it felt like it was going to be a 42-41. Denzel picks off that ball and runs it back, and you know, then eventually the Browns start throwing the ball down the field, which they hadn't done at that point in over a month, right? So Mm. um, the Browns have good players. You know, the Browns – um, I, I think they, you know, they run similar base offensive systems. You know, I think Miles Garrett gets up for the game. Um, yeah. I, I think the Bengals really, you know, didn't manage the last one well and didn't have Jamar Chase. Now he could have played that game and the Browns were going to win. It was yeah. a complete butt kicking. Right. But, you know, I, I, I think there's something to be said for this being a matchup based league be, being a lot of it. And, um, <clears throat> You know, like I said, if you look at the Browns over the course of their 12 games, they've they've just played poorly in a couple of them. But other than that, it's Ben Jay just not connecting the dots at the right time or just picking the wrong time to be bad. And against the Bengals, like going back to that Denzel Ward 99-yarder, they've picked the right time to make the play, and it's snowballed positively from them from there. Yeah, it almost seems like they, they are so – the Bengals are so set on not letting – that the Browns run the ball on them, that they they make themselves vulnerable in the pass game, and it it does. They they this is a team that very rarely gives up big plays, but it seems like the the Browns always find a way to to hit one or two. And now you've got a quarterback who who could 
hit some of those that it won't seem as odd as a Jacoby Brissett hitting <laughs> long balls down the field. Um, before we get to, to to Sean on the field, I was really found it interesting, the piece that you wrote. And for people that are watching or listening, want to go check it out on the site. It's great. Zach went to Houston and sat in the stands and tried to, well, not tried to, did gauge the reaction uh, to, to Deshaun Watson coming back. And I just wanted you know, what was your major takeaway from that? What did you expect? Did it did it live up to what you expected going in? Um, and, and what was the experience like sitting in a in the stands for a game as opposed to the press box? <laughs> well, well, the easy answer is no, because we did it because we expected vitriol, right? We ah. expected this this negative reaction and people yelling at him and Browns players engaging back to them, and there was none of that. I mean, the Texans are so bad, Jay. Like an hour <laughs> and fifteen minutes before the game, there just was nobody in the parking lot. The only people, you know, they blew a horn or a buzzer or some sort, like most stadiums do, like, mm-hmm. hey, the gates are open. Here we go. Well, 15 minutes later, the only people in the building were wearing orange, right? Either yellow security or orange browns. <laughs> and Texans fans sold their tickets to to Browns mm-hmm. fans. You know, I sat in the fourth row, 30, 35-yard line. Um, I was surrounded by people wearing Deshaun Watson's jerseys and Browns players' parents, wives, cousins, things like that who – you know, usually those tickets cost a premium in Houston. They didn't really cost that much because mm-hmm. Texas fans just didn't want to go. So, um, you know, the guys in front of me had Deshaun Watson red Texans jerseys on. The guy next to me had a Deshaun Watson brown jersey on. Like, you just don't see that, right? So it was unique. It was interesting. It was a different view of the game. But, I mean, they booed him, and they booed him loudly. There were some signs, of course, there were people wearing the Predator stuff out in the parking lot. But those were a couple people, not a couple thousand. Like, yeah. There, it just was. It was. There were way more people there to cheer for the Browns and for Deshaun Watson specifically than there were to hate on him. And how it came across was, you know, he dapped up people in the crowd in Texans gear, like like he knew them. Once the game started, he never looked up once, and I never heard anything even close to an incident or something that got anybody on the Browns sideline attention. Um, it was a game that Deshaun played really poorly, and the Texans were worse. And the Browns got away from it, and they expect to be better, and they need to be better because he was awful. Yeah, one of those signs you mentioned you got a photo of that's in the story. I I, I imagine that was not left up very long before security pulled that one down. (laughs) But uh, with his performance, um, what – was it rust? Did he look uncomfortable? Was it mechanics? I mean, what what led to? I because I, I I we wrote about it in the, the whip round last week, and I, mm-hmm. I think we all fully expected some rust, but not that level. Yeah, so I expected bad. It was way worse, mm-hmm. and I think you can say rust. I think you can say you know without being a quarterback mechanic expert that you know he's speeding up between nerves and rust mm-hmm. and everything else. He wasn't getting his eyes and his feet and his arm you know on, on the same wavelength and that was obvious but what's concerning to me is you know he had been playing he he had been training right he's but it's not like he just came out of nowhere after two years and when we saw him miss in the summer it was a lot of short arm stuff seven and nine yard passes coming up two yards short and that was still those same misses so can we attribute that to like I said he's just not he it's happening too fast and he's too excited probably can he get that fixed in one week I don't know I mean Jay, I don't think that he forgot how to play football or throw a ball. And even back to the spring and summer, you know, we saw shaky play and practice. It's ugly. And we saw great throws. But, you know, someone who's worked in the NFL for a long time texted me last Friday and said, what do you think? What what happens if he just can't play anymore? And he wasn't (laughs) proposing that as a real thing, but he was proposing it as a question that's been asked. So it certainly would be not fair to jump to that conclusion after one game. 
And it certainly wouldn't be fair after one month, right? But when Stefanski says there's a human element here, he means like Deshaun was nervous. Deshaun hasn't played. And we're putting a guy in a huddle who hasn't been in a huddle in a long time or in our huddle for the first 11 games. But you're also saying there's a human element here. And when you haven't played in two years, you you know, it's going to take a while if you can ever get back to that mm. level. Yeah. I, I, the one that comes to mind with me is always Michael Vick um, with, with the prison sentence. And, um, you know, he he did. He came back. He, he, was, he wasn't great right away, but he did eventually get back into form. Um, assuming whenever it is that Deshaun gets back. Maybe it's Sunday in Cincinnati. Whenever it is that he gets back to form, and when who benefits most from from him coming back on on the field? Uh, well, I mean, the people would get to keep their jobs that work in the front office. So I almost jumped <laughs> the gun on your question. You know, on the field, everybody, right? Like Nick Chubb has a case as the NFL's best running back. Like he he can benefit from that. You know, Watson himself has never played with a, a run game or an offensive line near this good. Um, you know, Amari Cooper has been really, really solid his whole career, and he's mm-hmm. been that this year. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones has gone from a guy who would occasionally make a play, and you saw the talent, to a guy who's been really consistent this year outside of Watson and should only take off from there. I mean, he's a he is an example of a guy that you just see his confidence growing. And, and so he's still young. Um, he can get down the field. He's not like a top-end burner. But here's he's a guy that you would think you make a lot more 15 and 25 yard receptions in the future than the eight and nine yarders he's been putting his body on the line to make. So, you know, ideally everyone would benefit. But, Jay, I mean, I'm not afraid to say this. You know, the Browns, of course, talked about Deshaun Watson and, of course, knew they needed to move on from Baker Mayfield. And they were right about all that. Ultimately, Deshaun told them no. And they came back with money. That's ownership driven. But what to me took this idea from the idea stage and maybe the second or third year into overdrive was the Bengals having Joe Burrow and making the Super Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. And the Browns looked and said, we have Baker Mayfield and he's not a franchise quarterback. We look around and see what's in our division. And that happened there. And Joe's so young and so everything, right? Um, that was a big thing. So you know, may- maybe we won't see it on full display this week. And chances are that this game doesn't mean a lot because the Browns, even if they were to make a run here, would still need a miracle. Right, but this should be setting up for these games that are going to be big time standings wise, big time primetime TV, and and you know we we think the Bengals are are going to be good for a long time, and the Browns wouldn't have made this move if they don't think they're going to be too. Yeah, I fully expect to see the Battle of Ohio in primetime again next year, and maybe every year for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. That I, I, it'll depend on what the reaction is, you know, league wide, country wide with Deshaun Watson, but those games are going to be fascinating. Um, the last Bengals game, Bengals Browns game, was in prime time. Um, it was what the night before the trade deadline, and there was yes, a lot of talk about night, right. Yeah, a lot of talk about Kareem Hunt uh, wanting to be traded. That didn't happen. Um, what's what's that been like since? Is 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 it Kumbaya? Is is he? Have they found more of a role for him alongside Nick Chubb, or how, how has that running game looked differently since the trade deadline to now? Yeah, it, it hasn't been Kumbaya, and Kareem hasn't been as much of a factor as he was early in the year, but last week he got involved. Um, I always thought his skill set matched a more open offense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just been circumstantial. Like I said, this, the case of the season, um, I think a lot of times he was open and Jacoby Brissett just didn't see him or didn't get it to him. But he's still a good player. You know, is he a top 15 back in this league? Probably not anymore. But he is a great finisher of runs. He's an exceptional pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, what, what the Bengals are seeing with P Ryan right now is what Kareem Hunt can be. 
You know, the bigger guy who can get tough yards, but also can do things on the perimeter that a lot of smaller guys can't. So um, they're going to need the run game. Look, the Browns want to do this RPO stuff and this read option stuff with Deshaun. But if they can't trust him to throw it or make the right read, it's going to be run. So I think you're going to see three running backs for the Browns in this game. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt and Deshaun Watson. The other side of the ball, and there is another side of the ball when you're talking <laughs> about the Browns. Uh, two weeks ago, you wrote about this, how they had these issues on defense and special teams that they needed to fix, and then, boom, they go to Houston. It seems like it's all fixed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Was that a product of playing a bad Texans team, or has this team gotten better defensively and on special teams? Yeah. Um, so what made the crash after the bye week um, so disappointing is the defense had really played well. Mm-hmm. Played well enough to win in Baltimore and didn't, and then dominated the Bengals right in in that game, and came out and laid a couple of eggs. So um, now they've they've bounced back with two straight really good performances, and we know Tampa is really reeling, uh, and kind of gave the game away with some management things. We know the Texans are completely helpless. I mean, they're as bad as the seventeen Browns. There is no mm-hmm. doubt. I, I've seen them both up close, right? Um, but yeah, you know, you, you force turnovers in this league, and everything gets a little more rosy. Um, and the Browns really built their defense on speed and turnovers. Now, some of that is they've paid the price with getting gashed in the run game. They, they've had to change some guys out, and they just lost their starting middle linebacker to a torn ACL in the last game. But their whole vision is to be good in the secondary, and they are good. Uh, they're capable of being great. And for Miles Garrett and Clowney to make those plays that change games. And I think the last couple of weeks we've seen that. Clowney was non-existent the first half of the year. Clowney's been a factor. And Miles, you know, Miles is so talented, Jay, that people expect him to do it all the time. And frankly, I do too sometimes, right? So this is a top five talent. And he's had some big statistical games. I think in the Tampa game, his impact was more than the statistics showed. But I mean, even if it's just one sack a game and another time he gets back there and forces an errant throw or deflects a ball, like he really changes offensive game plans. You don't have to be a film guru to look down there and say, I'm going to watch 95 this play. And the other team is using a tight end, using a running back to block him before they get into anything else. And that affects the timing of everything. And he, and he has done it all. Every, see, every time he plays the Bengals, that's, that's been the case. And that, that Bengals O-line has improved quite a bit from – not just the beginning of the year, but since mm-hmm. that that Monday night game, so that, that that's going to be a really interesting matchup to watch and see if they can finally figure out a way to slow down Miles Garrett. Um, something you alluded to when we first hopped on is how the Browns are hot now and they're going to the Super Bowl. And I know you were joking, <laughs> but it is two in a row. It's three out of five. We know what this roster is. It's a it's a quality roster. Now you got the quarterback if he shakes off the rust and, and can get it going. I mean, have you seen enough to believe that that they can? be a factor in December in the first couple weeks of January? Yes, because I, I, well, in the here and now, I can believe it because I know they can beat the Bengals, right? And because if this defense is not just blowing elementary coverages and is forcing even one turnover, they're giving themselves a chance. So um, they will carry a certain level of confidence into this game on both sides. You know, they will um, have a plan, I think, that – that allows them to work around Deshaun not having his A game or anything close. Mm-hmm. And, and and we know how this goes. So, 
it's a fascinating thing. Like I wasn't really what I was writing. Obviously Jay, I wasn't watching Bengals chiefs closely, but I was chuckling. And when I did get to watch the last couple of minutes and I thought, look at the Bengals with all this poise and all this firepower, putting away this team and they play the, the Browns and they, they can't do that. And obviously they played the JVs in week 18 last year. That's not what we're counting, yeah. but last year's game in Cincinnati. I mean, when we left that game and I said, one of these teams is going to the Super Bowl. Would, would there have been 1% of you that said it was going to be the Bengals? <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, they can be hard to block, right? They can be hard to tackle. Um, did, did we, me, some others overrate some of the talent? I think top to bottom, yes. I think they had some bad moments and, and gave away a game or two, and, and those could come back to haunt them. So I don't think the Browns are going to make the playoffs, and I don't think they're going to win out. But I won't be surprised if you see a quality performance s- Sunday that at very least has this game going to the last five minutes. Well, let's put it on record then. We'll end it here with uh, what is your prediction and score <sighs> for Sunday? I'm having a rough year in the prediction business, Jay. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> um, well, in the last battle of Ohio, before betting is legal in Ohio, <laughs> I would tend to lay the six on the Bengals because I just think the Browns offense was that bad. And I think if the mm-hmm. Bengals get the lead, and I think the Bengals should be all sorts of inspired and pissed off by the last couple of events yeah. and Joe hearing that he can't beat the Browns and all of that, right? So I would expect a competitive game, but I would end up picking – something like 27-19 Bengals. Okay. We shall see. I, I, I'm i picking a good time in the press box, talking to you before <laughs> kickoff, uh, looking to to get some more stories from you from Houston. I, I thought that was a really great idea. And again, anybody that's listening to this, go check out Zach's story. It's really well done. Um, Zach, thank you for jumping on as always. And uh, we do look forward to seeing you on Sunday. I thought it, the story was a lot like the Browns trade for Deshaun Watson, a really good idea, and it turned out just to be <laughs> okay. <laughs>